listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, where we deliver weekly masterclass interviews on topics to help you make your first or next step in business the right one. I'm your host, Alex Sanfilippo. What if you could convey everything of value about your business, product, or service clearly, precisely, and accurately in three minutes or less? Today's guest teaches us that we don't need to spend days or weeks developing elaborate presentations or spending hours explaining what we do to potential investors, partners, or clients. It only takes three minutes. My guest is Brant Pinvidic. He is the author and national bestseller of The Three-Minute Rule. He has used this method in Hollywood to sell shows like The Biggest Loser and Bar Rescue. He also teaches this to Fortune 100 companies. Get ready to hear some great Hollywood stories and learn how to say less but get more for your business. Here is my conversation with Brant Pinvidic. Brant, welcome to the Creating Your Brand podcast. So excited to have you here with us today. Yeah, very happy to be here. Let's get into it. <laughs> Before we get started, I wanted to personally say thank you so much for this three-minute rule. The strategy here has helped me so much already. I've read through the book and had the opportunity to talk to you, and I've already been able to apply it myself, and I can tell the audience today that it helps a lot. So thank you so much for that. Absolutely. I'm glad you enjoyed it. As we begin today's masterclass episode, can you please start by explaining what the three-minute rule is to the audience? Yeah. So the three-minute rule basically states everything of value about your business, product, or service must be conveyed clearly, concisely, and accurately in three minutes or less. And in those first three minutes, you got to be able to capture and maintain your audience's attention. you got to be able to drive engagement, and you got to be able to deliver information. And that, those are the three main things. And what I do in the book is I show you how to use Hollywood storytelling techniques to lead your audience through the story of your pitch or your business so they understand it the way you do. Your only goal when pitching or presenting, really, when you break it down, is you are trying to convert your knowledge into their understanding. Because if you believe in something and you see value, if you could make other people understand it and see the same value, they're far more likely to be interested in taking the next step. And so that's really the core of the three minute rule. And, and it sort of dovetails into the world that we're in now in these hypersensitive uh, audiences and really dramatically shorter attention spans, condensing it into short, sweet, and what really needs to be said as opposed to what you want to say is sort of almost earth shatteringly different than what everybody else is doing out there. I 100% agree with you. What we're talking about today is not conventional wisdom. Instead of just sharing knowledge, today you're going to teach us how to convert what we know about our products or service into something that our ideal customers can actually understand. Before we go any further, I need you to clarify something. This is not an elevator pitch, right? No, and that's, you know, the elevator pitch thing is, is it's over. That doesn't work. It's not right. And it's like the elevator pitch design was like, hey, you know, you only have a short amount of time. What do you say? But it turned, the elevator pitch turned into this sort of big, promotional promise gets your attention. Oh, oh, excuse me, sir. I can have an, I have an investment opportunity that will save you 10 times or make you 10 times your money by the end of the year. And the idea is the guy in the elevator leans in and goes, Ooh, I want that. <clears throat> Tell me more. And in today's world, it's now the total opposite. If you had a time machine, you can go back to the 1970s and eighties. That's, you know, that state and prove method works, right? Like you, you show somebody something they want. Hey, would you like to lose weight? and eat anything you want and you go oh my god yes i would well here's how you do it right that is the core function of advertising 101 
back in the day. Now they're finding it just doesn't work because when you hear a promise, when you hear something that's a statement of value in that opening thing, you're naturally distrustful. You naturally disprove it. And in fact, when I work with companies that pitch, usually they'll start with some huge grand gesture. Um, you know, our system is going to revolutionize the way healthcare is done in America. And now everybody in the audience is going, really? Like, whatever. <laughs> and they're looking to disprove it and poke holes in it the entire time you're talking. And that's called the state and prove method. And that's the way elevator pitching has sort of been done. Really, what you want to do is what I call the inform and lead method, which is I'm going to give you pieces of information and lead you to the conclusion at the end of my pitch where you're going, oh, like this could actually revolutionize healthcare in America, right? Like you want to lead your audience to that conclusion. You do not want to state it up front. It's like the hook of the movie. You don't start with the hook of the movie. Um, my favorite movie, Shawshank Redemption. You don't start with, and spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but you don't start with, start with like um, Andy Dufresne escapes from this really terrible prison. Let me explain why. You know, it's like that's not the way it's done. Hollywood storytelling is done. We build credibility. We tell you the story. We tell you who the characters are. We tell you the journey. And your pitch, your presentation, your company has a journey like that. And you got to lead people to that, that conclusion. you got to draw them in by informing and leading them. Before I got connected with you, Brant, I was actually very guilty of the state improve method. However, I've also found that the inform and lead method is far more powerful. And I've already seen that in my businesses as I'm doing pitches and presentations. Yeah. Now, I know that this isn't something that you just woke up understanding. You actually had to learn this. So as the Hollywood storyteller that you are, can you tell us when you had this revelation and what that looked like? Yeah, you know, because he doesn't Hollywood's very competitive very strange place it's a lot of who you know it's hey let's do lunch kind of stuff that's sort of the imagery of it but in the truth is like inside the rooms in hollywood it's a very hypersensitive business like it's a super competitive there's not a lot of room for fluff like you got to get to the business so what i find when i was pitching shows is i was always trying to be impressive like everybody is you want to be impressive in the room I, I you know i'm trying to i'm trying to punch above my weight a lot of times and so i was in the lobby at cbs pitching show and you know i'm waiting to go into the pitch room and out walks simon cowell and i was like ah, i have to go follow simon cowell which is kind of like a bummer right like now right. i gotta go pitch after him which is just like uh so anyways he says hi we're chatting and i see him looking over my shoulder and so i turn around and it's mark burnett had just walked in right he's checking it in the at the desk at cbs there and this wave of dread because I realized, oh my God, he's pitching after me. Oh, I am no. wedged between Simon Cowell and Mark Burnett. And honestly, like even today, I'm not really any further ahead than I was then, right? Like those are still two huge pillars of that industry and make me look silly. So I got this like almost like a, like a form of anxiety of like, how am I going to impress the president of the network with these two guys wedged in me, right? And, and I just couldn't come up with anything. And I was so nervous. And then when they call, hey, uh, uh, Brad, come on in, you know, and the agent goes in and I'm just like, uh, what am I going to do? And so I kind of abandoned all the crap and all the talk and all the small talk and all the stuff that I would normally do in this world. And I was just like, I got to get in and out of this room as fast as possible. So I just said, I just basically went, here's what the idea is, blah, blah, blah. Here's how it works. Da, da, da. Here's why we think it's good for CBS. And here's how we're going to produce it. And that was it. And I was out of that room in nine minutes. And wow. they bought they bought the show. And the guy, I mean, the president of CBS called me and said, that was a great pitch, man. Like, you know, really great pitch. We're really excited. 
And so I remember going into the next meetings and be like, I'm, I'm following that pattern where I was like, Hey, how's everybody doing? You know, all great. I said, what do you got? And then I would just be like, here's what the show is. Here's how the show works. Here's what we think it's good for A&E. And here's how we're going to produce it. And whoop, I'm out. And it's like, and that was it. And so I got this reputation really quickly of having some of the best pitches in town and like the guy with the great pitches. And, and I was thinking to myself, I'm not working very hard. Like there's no, <laughs> there's no magic here. It's just, I have stopped trying to convince the head of the network why they should feel a certain way. I have stopped trying to sell them on anything. I was just like, yeah, you know, you're the head of Fox. You know a lot about your brand. You know a lot about what you want. You know a lot about the industry. The only thing you don't know is how what the show I'm thinking of. So maybe I should just stick to that. It's crazy that the concept for this three-minute rule just fell into your lap during a moment of what was probably extreme anxiety. When I first started diving into this concept of the three-minute rule, I have to admit something that I think that some of the audience members would agree with me on. My assumption was that what I do is too complex for such a simplistic system. Yeah, I've never... Never heard that one before. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you haven't heard it before. Uh, what changed my mindset about this was actually something that you said at the beginning of the book. How can I compress everything that I think I need to say into what actually needs to be said? It was when I read these words that I actually began reviewing what I thought I needed to say to people about what I do. And then I realized that those things didn't really matter and everything was far simpler than I made it out to be. Yes. Oh my God. And you can, but not only that, people will appreciate it more, right? They will, they will recognize that. And what it does is the whole keynote I do on stage. This, when you do it with less words, you are in, you are in still in confidence in others at the confidence that you feel about the information, because that's where it actually comes from. Let me give you a couple of things. The turn of the century, um, Niagara Falls froze literally froze solid. There's 5,000 people living in Niagara at the time. And at 3.30 in the morning when it froze, they were jarred out of their sleep, awoke. They end up in the streets wondering what's going on. Now, the reason is, is that the raging millions of gallons of water crashing on the rocks, like endlessly creates this roaring sound that they had just tuned out. And the, the silence of the falls freezing was the loudest sound they had heard in years. And today, marketing, messaging, click funnels, over promises, guarantees, all of that marketing stuff is a raging torrent of who gives a crap information that the audience has completely tuned out. If you use the world groundbreaking, if you use the like that kind of language, it's gone. They don't even hear it. And when you simplify the information and speak from a position of fewer words in a simplified method, it cuts through the clutter. They hear it louder than any other pitch or presentation they're going to hear. They're going to actually hear what you say. And I use a really interesting example when I'm on stage. If you think about you're going to get married and I want to cater your wedding. And as a chef to cater that night, I have Gordon Ramsay. How many words am I going to need to sell you on that, right? Four words. I have Gordon Ramsay. Done. 
Exactly. And if you think about how I'm going to present that, you know, if I got a smile on my face, if I got my shoulders back, am I breathing deep or am I breathing shallow? Like you can picture what that person is, the confidence and the level of value that I'm bringing you and your bride allows me to only say four words. I have Gordon Ramsay. Now imagine switch that around. Imagine it's my, my brother-in-law who just got out of jail and really needs a job and is pressuring me to help him. He doesn't really cook, but he needs one badly. How many words am I going to need to try to sell you that, right? Thousands. I'm going to be trying anything to sell you, right? And even if I, now, and then I'm going to come in two ways. One way I'm going to come in because I don't have no confidence in the value I'm bringing. And I'm going to be sullen and I'm going to have my shoulders down and physically you're going to see it, right? Or I'm going to go the opposite direction. I'm going to come in with a big smile, shoulders back, chest up. Hey, I've got something spectacular. Now it's a little out of the box, but let me tell you something. Your wedding's really important to you. Well, it's important to me too. You know, like I'm going to do that salesy thing to try to make myself more confident. And so here's the trick. The value that you believe you bring to others is directly proportionate to the number of words you use. Think of it like a scale. And at the very top of the value, the most value you could possibly bring is if you had Gordon Ramsay to come cook at someone's wedding. And the least amount of value is my brother-in-law convict who's never cooked before. The number of words you use is going to show your audience where you fit on that scale. How confident are you? How much value are you bringing? As a thank you for listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, I'd like to invite you to join our private community for free. If you text the word community to 1-904-299-8992, I'll respond with a free invitation link. Once you join, I'll connect you with other community members and resources to help accelerate your success. Join today by texting the word community to 1-904-299-8992. I'm looking forward to talking to you within the Creating a Brand community. And now let's get back to today's episode. I'd like to transition our conversation into talking about how we can actually begin creating our own three-minute pitch. Where yes. does the audience begin with this process? Well, there's two elements. If you if you read the book, um, the it shows you how to do the bullet point exercise, which is basically breaking down your idea into simple bullet points. Using Post-its, you literally write one or two words. So it would be like personal trainer, celebrities, like you would, you know, podcast, host, like whatever it is in the most simplified single word statements, one or two words, right? And you'll have 30 or 40 of these basic words and it forces you to just make those simplified. That's sort of step one. And it's really important. And you need some sort of tactile piece. That's why I say post-its. Uh, because you can move them around, you can feel them, you can put them in places, and then you can start to categorize them. Does this post-it tell me something about what it is? So then, you know, and you start to develop instead of one word, you still felt what I call a statement of value. You know, I train companies. I work here. I, we, our software makes electric motors, like whatever it is, right? They, they become a statement. And then you can see where they categorize. What, how, are you sure? Can you do it? And you can see like, what is this actually telling me? Is it telling me something about the company? Is it telling me how the company does what it does? Is it a validation of our success? You know, like we have, phase three trial success. Okay. So if you if, like a company I'm working with is a type type one diabetes, anti-rejection drug, that's what they're developing. You want to talk complicated? That's complicated. Uh, yeah. I was about to say, but they're in phase two trials with primates. 
And so if you were going to explain what that company was to somebody who doesn't know anything, you would not be saying that they're in phase two trials of primates right at the beginning. You're not saying we're a company that's in phase two trials trying to develop this thing. It, like, what does the phase two trial even mean? I don't even know what that has relevance to. Even if I'm a scientist, I get it. But like, what are we talking about? Where it's like, we're a drug company. We're developing an anti-rejection drug for type one diabetes. Here's how we do it. We take antibodies, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then it's like, we're currently in phase two trials. Here's the success we had in phase one. Like those breakouts, you can see it clearly. So the bullet point that says phase two trial, you can see right away, this is not what the company does. It's not how this drug works. It's validation that we're, that we're having success. Okay. It goes in this column, right? Bing. And then once you do that, you start to build, and this is interesting. This is for your audience. This is something that's not in the book. I didn't, I didn't develop this as cleanly when I was writing the book. And so I use it on stage and I use it in my seminars and I'll and I do it on my live calls with my subscribers, but this is not in the book, but this is a really good exercise. It's called the information pyramid and the information pyramid looks like a pyramid and the number of words and sentences you use a lot at the bottom and only a few at the top. And at the very top of the pyramid, I give you three words. It's called this meets this. Okay. And what you need to do is then go to your company and your idea or whatever you're pitching and tell me how you would explain it in a, this meets this explanation. I'll give you an example, three words. I had a television show. One of the ones I just took out um, with a big director named McGee, big action one. And it's the idea. And I'm going to try to make the idea super complicated because if I just tell you it, you'll be like, well, that's good already. So if you've seen the show on CBS, the amazing race, where you got people, they, they, they go into pairs and they go across the country and they try to go from stage to stage and they have to solve challenges along the way. And the challenges, of course, are, you know, kind of simple and silly, like, I, you know, assemble an Ikea thing in time or stack some bricks or try to figure out this language thing. Like they're really simple challenges because the people that are doing the race are, you know, not very smart. They're just regular people there for drama, right? And so it, that's the whole piece of it. And so this idea is basically taking, here's the three words, amazing race meets the smartest people in the world. And that's all I said. Okay. This meets that. You kind of have an idea of what that show is without me saying another word. And you are a TV producer. You kind of get the idea that it's going to be a race to go do stuff but it's going to be for really, really smart people, right? And that's basically three to five words that explain it. And so now, you if you get that right where you can actually get people to kind of understand it, now I'll give you 10 words in the next phase. And I, I do this with Fortune 100 company CEOs. Okay, now you can have 10 words. Go ahead. Now try to explain it to me in 10 words. And then in the book, like I show you, you get to 144 characters. I have a, I have a Twitter exercise where it's like, if you had to tweet your, your pitch, you had 144 characters, what would you be able to say, right? Like it's a great exercise. And so you start with like, what is your three word, five word version? And then you build words in and phrases and explanations as you go. And once you, if you get it right, you start to feel what's value, because that's really what you want. You want value up front. I'm going to tell you the most important things, then I'll tell you the, the, the things that build on that. And that's how you build the value of what you're trying to do. Start with this meets that.
This idea of starting from the top of the pyramid with just a few words is definitely the opposite of what most people do, uh, myself included. I've definitely started with a lot of words to make sure I capture everything and then scale it down time and time again. But you're saying that we need to start with a few words and then expand it from there. Yeah. I mean, again, it, when you really think about the simplification of it, it is to strip out. My next thing is to strip out language, right? Because what will happen is, is you'll end up building in the language that you love. Um, yep, I'm guilty of that right there. So it's like, yeah, no, take that back out because you love it. You understand it. But the audience doesn't have that understanding of it yet. Let them come on their own. You got to believe in the confidence of your information, right? Like you got to let it, you got to let it sit. And another good example is like the difference between a script, it's an A plus gets a movie made script, an excellent script and a not a good script is nothing in the minds of the person that wrote it because the guy who wrote a crappy script he understands the characters he knows the twists he knows their motivation he understands the nuance of the dialogue perfectly and so everything makes perfect sense and all of the the dialogue and the storylines and the twists blend perfectly right because he understands it so well what makes a great script and a script writer work is that Aaron Sorkin makes you, the reader, understand it the way he does. Mm -hmm. You see it the same way. And that's what a great pitch is, is it's not trying to say all the things you want because you know it so well and you understand how valuable it is. And if they could just see this, they'd understand. It's like, well, you've been living with it for nine years or four, whatever it is. Like, right. you got to let them build that foundation. So language matters in this and the the more simple you can make it the more effective it is and that's really I, I have to get a lot of clients to really understand that is to be simple in the language because it will draw people to you like i'm off to a flame they will they can't not ask questions they're dying to right. get more information because they just so impressed it's like that cool kid at the party who doesn't say anything who everybody flocks around you know what i mean like <laughs> It's the James Dean of the world. It's like, that's the way it works. You know, the class clown is a class clown. The cool kid doesn't say a lot of stuff. That's the world you want to live in. If you had real confidence in what you were doing, you wouldn't have to say a lot, you know? Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. And in the book, you actually said it this way. Simple is the new sexy. Yeah. <laughs> now I want to talk about the core of the three minute pitch. You call this the whack method. That's W-H-A-C. Can you explain this to the audience today? Yeah, of course. The whack method breaks down a pitch into its four core categories. What is it? How does it work? Are you sure? And can you do it? And so I just started breaking down those TV shows like that. Here's what the show is. Got it. Here's how the show works. Here's how we know we can produce it. And here's why we think it's going to be good for your network. Bang, done. And so you'd use that formula in any pitch at any time in any form of communication. And that's really, that's really the breakdown, right? Like, and if you watch how we break it down, um, you take any, any idea, anything you want to do, what is it is literally, what is it? I am a personal trainer that specializes in celebrities preparing for major action roles. That's what that guy's pitch is, okay? Now, within one sentence, you kind of know what it is he does, okay? Here's how it works. I spend seven days a week with you, four hours a day in your home. I use a constant uh, update where I'm in your face all the time. The motivation is the most important thing. Oh, okay, now I know how you do it. Are you sure is 
the facts and figures and logic and reason, right? That's the way I use that. That is the the functionality, the the history, the proof. Most people want to start with the proof. This is after you've explained what it is, how it works, now the proof. I trained The Rock. I got Will Smith ready for this. You know, I trained Jennifer Lawrence for Hunger Games. It's like, okay, you have the credibility. And then can you do it means literally can you do it. I have a spot opening up in June. Uh, you need nine weeks to prepare for this role. Uh, you know, you can use the same methods that I use in The Rock for you at home. Like whatever, right? Whatever that pitch, like can you actually do it? It's 1995, but I'm sold out. Uh, however that is, can you actually, like how do I get it? What's the what's the process of actually getting it, right? And so that's the core of a pitch and you can do that. It doesn't have to be three minutes. This can be a minute and a half. This can be two minutes because now the audience goes, all right, I got the framework. I appreciate all the simplicity of this, which is a whole other element of how much people appreciate just being told the simple goods. Right. Now they have questions. Now they want to engage. Now they want to know things. So all that information that you're so precious about, that you love, the things that make you so special, that you're dying to tell people, you don't need to do that in the first three minutes. It's Those are the what I call the engagement phase. When someone understands the basic elements and now they're like, okay, I want to hear more. I want to talk more. Let's talk about why you use this infrared diode, you know? These, these are the things that come from engagement. And now you're talking to someone from a place of interest. And that's really important because those people have a foundation of understanding. This whack method is my favorite part about the book. I definitely found this extremely helpful. I'm sure the audience will as well. Now, can you talk to us about why we should include the negative within our pitch? So the, the negative is important. And I, and I have to get people on this board. It's really hard because what they want to do is they want to paint the rosy picture with everything. And in today's world, people know there's strings attached. They know there's competitive elements. They know there's issues. They like they get it. They're looking for that. So if you have something that is a problem, our product is higher, is cost more. Um, we can't deliver it in these things. We're not a plug and play application. Um, we have a financial problem in our in our sort of structure. Uh, the board just fired somebody. Like whatever the negative side of what you do, and you start by asking yourself, why would someone say no? What would the, what excuse would they use if they were going to say no? What's the one question you hope they don't ask you? If you can answer that honestly, you're going to be way further ahead. Then the question is like, how do you work that into the pitch so that you can effectively deal with that question right up front? Because if you don't, your audience is going to pick up on it. And if they find out something negative about it that you didn't say in your pitch, you're done. Because then they don't trust you, they don't believe you, and you don't want them thinking about it. And my client um, who does the software, the biggest sort of downside of the software is it's not plug and play. It's not like Intel where you can just grab a chip and put it in new RAM in your computer. They have to program the entire algorithm of the software, almost starting from scratch, for each manufacturer. So if they're working with Tesla or working with Porsche, it's like we got to design the software from the beginning just for that one motor, right? And that is a negative unless you understand the company and now and and they have the exact answer to that and that leads them to their commercialization strategy we're not a plug and play system we have to specially design this for each manufacturer because of that we've created lab space in Calgary Alberta at a great rate where we work with our customer partners to design the the 
software specifically for them. They pay for this process. It's like, oh, now the negative, not so negative anymore. So really important to use that somewhere in your pitch that that your audience knows that you, it's not a deal breaker. If you come clean with the negative, it's not a deal breaker. That is so important. I'm glad that you mentioned that. Up next, can you talk to us about the hook? The hook of your story is the big statement. It's the one thing that is like the coolest thing. It's that one thing that you want people to know. You don't want to put that up front. Like I said earlier, you want people to lead that. And I'll give you a great example. The hook of the one of the most popular shows I did, Bar Rescue. The hook of that show is John Taffer is the Gordon Ramsay of bars and nightclubs. That's like, you get it. There it is. Yeah, Boom. That's cool. The problem is, I can't say that. If I would have walked into to Spike TV and said, hey, here's the pitch, Gordon Ramsay of bars and nightclubs. The president of the network would not have gone, oh my God, thank goodness we've been looking for that. He would have been like, really? This guy? All right, go ahead. Let's hear the pitch. You know, like he would have been thinking this whole time. And every word out of John Taffer's mouth would have been like, probably be better if it was an English accent. This guy's kind of a little crass. Like it would have been a nightmare the entire time. But in the pitch, and this is how I came up with this, but in that pitch room pitching bar rescue, I explained, here's what the show is. Here's how we're going to do it. This is John Taffer. Here's why he's an expert. Here's the way he does is what he does. And the president of the network goes, oh. So he's like the Gordon Ramsay for bars and networks for our network. And we're like, yeah, that's right. You know, like the, the hook is something that your audience should know. I really like that you save the hook for the end, because if you do the three minute rule correctly, then you've already been saying it without doing so directly. And this actually transitions directly into what you call the edge. Can you briefly explain this to us as well? The edge is that story or that instant that the audience would never have known, but kind of pushes it over the edge. In Bar Rescue, that was the butt funnel where John shows you how he designs a bar and the furniture in the bar to funnel people into a spot where they touch butts because it's too narrow to walk through side by side. And when men and women touch butts, endorphins are released. When endorphins are released, you have a better time. When you have a better time, you stay longer, you stay longer, you buy more drinks, buy more drinks, the bar makes more money. And that's show sold in the room. I have to level with you. When I read the words butt funnel in your book, I was like, what the heck have I started reading? Uh, yeah. But now it's funny. When I step into a bar, I cannot stop looking for the butt funnel. That's right. <laughs> now that we've been through all the elements of the three-minute rule, here's the question that's on everyone's mind, and I'm sure you get asked this one a lot. How do we end our three-minute pitch? Uh, I do get asked that a lot. You don't. You absolutely don't. You do not need an ending. You do not need a trick. You don't need a phrase. You need nothing. When I'm doing a pitch, I literally go, and that's it. And that's, you know, that's just, that's it. I just, I'll put the logo back up on my PowerPoint and just be like, okay, that's the show. There's no trick. Because if you have to find something to end it, two things will happen. One is it means you didn't say enough in the, during the pitch. You have to come up with some clever ending. And two, it brings your audience back to the realization that, oh, right, you're pitching me something. You've done this a whole bunch of times. Like, this is a, this is a, this is a shtick. Like you do not want to do that. And so there really is no conclusion. You, you know, I, I show people in the book how to make a great opening, how to sort of like warm up the room that, you know, convert small talk into a story that leads you to what this pitch is, which works really well. And then once you've gone through the things, it's sort of like, okay, that's it. It's kind of like any questions, you know, that's the way you think about ending this pitch is like, what would you, what would the look on your face? What would that slide be? at the end, if you were just like, okay, any questions? Because that's really all it is. Like, I've told you everything. You've got it. Now, what do you want to know? Because you've probably got questions and I don't need to keep selling you. So you get it or you don't.
That's really what that, and that's how you want to feel. If you've done, if you, somebody gives you three minutes, tell me what you do. And I pitch you this thing. Like I'm prepared to just be like, and that's it. You want it. You don't want it. You want to talk further. You want to talk to your wife. You want to go to the board meeting. Like whatever. It doesn't get any better than that. That's what it is. You want to talk, you want to talk some details. Great. Let's get into it. That's really important. This makes me think about Shark Tank with the three minute pitches that they do to the sharks. And they always end with something just so cheesy. I mean, I cringe every time I hear the end of one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, sharks. (laughs) Who wants to take a bite out of this? You know, and you're like, oh, right. Right. That's the level that you're at. Got it. (laughs) Yes, exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) I train a lot of companies on making like investor presentations and you can't do an investor presentation in three minutes. And actually like no pitch really is three minutes by the time you take a meeting and whatnot. Like, and that's not what it is. It's not meant to be like, it's a three minute meeting. It's more like the first three minutes or less Mm -hmm. puts you in the right mode. And so when I do these investor presentations, I'll have them do their three minutes. And then it's sort of like, you can feel the pause where it would normally be like, anybody got any questions? It's a pause that sort of goes, okay, I'm going to answer some of the most common questions. That's the way that transition. And so that three minute version ends. And then it's like, okay, Let's get to the more, let, let's talk about the financials. Let's talk about our commercialization strategy. Let's talk about my board. Like then you're into engagement, but at that three minute more, they are as interested as they could possibly be. They have been primed. They have been explained. They know what it is and they want you to lead them to more stuff. And that's really important. You actually summarize what you're saying right now really well in the book. At the end of the day, your three-minute pitch is designed to offer those listening to you immense clarity about what you do and what you offer. Brant, this has been a really fun conversation today. I enjoy your Hollywood stories throughout. As one of the most experienced people in your field, I want to make sure to ask, can you please share one final thought with us today? You don't have to try so hard. Just stop talking. I I mean, I've done it long enough now. It's like you're you're saying too much. You just are. You don't need that. You know? And that's the, I'd go back to that. Just stop talking. It's the number one phrase I say to every client. It's like, just stop talking. I got it. Whoa, we're way past. And it's like, it's easier than you think. You are trying too hard. And we all know what it's like to watch somebody who's trying too hard, trying too hard to make friends, trying too hard in a relationship, trying too hard to be funny. Like you do not want to be the guy who's trying too hard to make this pitch work. That is called wisdom right there. Just stop talking. And it's a perfect way to end the episode. Brant, thank you again for the time today. I really appreciate all the wisdom that you shared. Rock on, brother. (laughs) Dude, you are a mess. You can certainly tell that Brent has spent some time in Hollywood. He is a storyteller, and I love it. I personally used his three-minute rule to pitch podmatch.com to big names in the podcasting industry and to companies that I wanted to partner with. And I have to say that I have seen unparalleled results compared to what I used to do, which took far more time and effort, and it was much more complex. I've simplified the process. I'm actually seeing better results from it, so I know that this works. If you'd like to practice your three-minute pitch, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 058. And at the bottom of the page, you'll be able to share with the Creating a Brand community. And I will also share mine for podmatch.com. Brant, thank you again for being a guest today and helping us all say less to get more. For show notes from today's episode and a link to pick up a copy of Brant Penvidic's book, The Three-Minute Rule, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 058. Thank you as always for listening, and I'm looking forward to bringing you another Masterclass episode next week.